to the Remarkable Entrepreneur Podcast. I'm Deidre Shen, founder and CEO of Capshow, software that helps entrepreneurs turn their stories into content that converts. Now, we believe that every entrepreneur who has had to overcome their own internal struggles is remarkable. And it is this exact remarkability that needs to be shared so that they can positively impact the world. So stick around to the end of the show. We will reveal how you can be our next guest in 20 or 25 minutes. So let's go. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Remarkable Entrepreneur Podcast. I have Matthew Hunt with me from Automation Wolf. Welcome, Matthew. Thanks for having me. Oh, I'm super. I'm actually really looking forward to this because you're all about automation. You're all about systems. I'm guessing. I, I mean, I'm just because automation has to be um, underpinned by systems. And I am a massive geek about this. So <laughs> we're going to have such a fascinating chat about all of, all things automation systems. But before we do, I would love for you to fill us in about what it is exactly that you do. Yeah. So we we work with super busy uh, CEOs and founders. And we help them produce all of their social media content in an hour and a half per month. Awesome. Ah, love it because that's right up my alley too. So we're going to have such a cool chat. Okay. So let me, let let me know, how did you even get started on this? I'm sure that you have a fascinating background that led you to this path. Yeah. Well, I sort of stumbled into this particular product market fit, but my background was I've owned and exited two agencies, but the last agency I exited was in 2018 and um, I had a non-compete, so I couldn't do inbound marketing anymore. So the next logical thing was to do outbound. And so I began this business actually with doing like cold email and cold messaging on LinkedIn. And after a year of doing it, I was like, it kind of works and it kind of sucked. So I was like, we need to do a better, we need to do better than this. And I, and I started looking at what we were doing and looking at how did I grow my other two agencies? What really worked, what didn't work. And I started formulating a plan of going, oh, there's, there's a, there's a pattern here of what's happening. And so we created a system that's a three pillar system called short form, long form, controlled form. And it really leans more into social selling and demand gen than it does necessarily, which basically leverages the best of outbound, the best of inbound into a system. The other challenge that we realized was all of our clients have a major, major, major problem. Their biggest problem is not knowing what to do or how to do it or even budget. Their biggest problem was time. Mm-hmm. They have no more time in the day. There's just not enough of it. And the last thing that they need is someone taking more of it. And the last thing they need is managing more people or having to create more processes and more SOPs and all of this other stuff. So I went on a, on a, on a mission to go, how do I provide more value for them that, that, that one you know, lines with this demand generation, three pillar system, a short form, controlled form, uh, or short form, long form, controlled form and respects their time and creates leverage for them in their business. And that's how we came about our product. And and that's the problem we truly solve at the end of the day. Awesome. Okay. So what do you sell? Is it like services? Is it coaching? Is it something else? What is it? This is a hundred percent done for you service. Okay. Okay. So I know a lot of people sell done with you as, as group coaching, right? Mm -hmm. That's just the new evolution of like one-to-one coaching because people get busy and they're like, how do I get more leverage? Well, let's do it as a group format. And then there's also like the courses, which is the done for you. So I call those the three buckets um, that people usually specialize in. I recommend that generally speaking, 
speaking in general, even like as people develop their products, that they should always start with a done for you to really understand the business and knock it out of the park later in their in their career if they're not digging the agency model, which just usually means they're really not good at managing people. Then they can look at doing a group coaching program or the find more leverage or add more value or touch more people, whatever, whatever the mission is that people want to tell you. But usually if you don't have the system locked down as a done for you, you shouldn't be doing the done with you and never do the do it yourself. And the reason why I always say do it in that order is because the most money is made on done for you. And, and generally speaking, that's the right thing to do for most of your customers and clients. 99% of them do not need another done with you program and they do not need a do it yourself program. They need help. They need it done for them. And the problem that they're running into is the good old story of the cobbler's kids goes with no shoes syndrome, right? Which means they just don't have time to do it. It happened to me. I lost two years of growth in my agency because we are a marketing agency and I refused to hire another marketing agency to do our work for two reasons. One, I thought it was like embarrassing saying that we would have someone else do our own marketing. And then two, it was never done right because it wasn't done the way that I wanted to have it done. Right. And then after two years of nothing getting done, because the reality is there's always something getting in the way, right? You're always firefighting. You're always looking after your team. You're always looking after your clients. They come first. So you never look after your own stuff. Right. And, and, and the reality is what I learned was Finally, I bit the bullet and, and contracted a, a company. Was it done the way I wanted it to get done? Nope. But I'll tell you something, something even half done is better than not done. <laughs> it creates some progress and momentum and, yeah. and, you know, we have to get over our perfectionist selves to, to getting the, the work done at the end of the day. And if you really want to grow your business, you should be more focused on enabling your people to grow and learn and get better and creating frameworks and systems, not necessarily micromanaging every little single thing that gets done to make it perfect for you. And that's the difference between sort of, you know, a lifestyle business where you're a creative and you enjoy doing the work as a technician versus actually growing and scaling and launching and exiting a business one day. So you just have to decide that, you know, what, what is your goals? Everybody's goals are not the same, but uh, if it is to actually build a business asset, asset and have freedom, then you're going to have to let some of this stuff go. Yeah. Awesome. And so talk <laughs> us through like in the one and a half hours a week, I think you, you mentioned that, mm-hmm. you know, a CEO um, spends, what are they doing in that one and a half hours a week? Yeah. So, so we always lead with video first by interviewing them like via a product, just like this Zoom, we actually technically use a tool called Riverside. And I don't want to get into all the logistics of why we move from Zoom to Riverside, but but it's very similar. And we lead with video and we lead with it being private and with the intent of it being short form content. The challenge with long form content, like what we're doing right now, there is a place for long form content. Don't get me wrong. It's just very hard to slice and dice later on. And there's a lot of pressure in doing the long form content. If you haven't already become media trained. You don't have your sound bites down. You don't have your signature system yet. You haven't actually figured out how to articulate and communicate your value props super well. You haven't had enough time to get all the nerves out and to feel confident about it. We don't want to start with long form. We want to start in a private session where we're only going to keep the good stuff and you can get a coaching feedback because what we, pr- what we practice in private with a coach is what we get rewarded for publicly. And so the first thing that happens for clients who work with us has not, even though they get their content and they are able to get leads and attract talent and do all of these things, the biggest thing that happens for them right away is they become 
a more effective communicator overnight. You know, they they build their confidence over over overnight. They become media trained overnight, and it wouldn't happen without that private session. So I thought about, hey, you just send us your podcast, or you just send us this particular content, and it fails because anyone can slice and dice it and turn it into stackable content. That's fine. The, the magic actually happens in this interview, in this private coaching session. That's that's where it all begins. And even be, begins before that. Before we work with people, we actually do four workshops with them so that we can take them through a process to unpack their IP and get it on paper. Because what we find in general is most people do not have a signature system. They do not have positioning. They're super boring and beige. They're in a sea of sameness. They sound like everybody else. And we need to get them out of that red ocean and into the blue ocean so that they can stand out, nor do they have a go-to-market strategy on how what they're going to do with all this. So we help them do that. And that's where that framework comes in. It's okay, we've got to do the short form. That's all about keeping you consistent and top of mind with your existing network. It's also an opportunity for people to discover you because where we are today is where? In the social media news feeds, right? That's that's where everybody is. And that's where people learn to discover you because they're in procrastination more discovery, but they're not there for long form content. So that's like step one, right? Staying consistent, top of mind, regularly there. And that's the bait to get them to your long form content. Your long form content is designed that you can demonstrate your ability or it creates your one-to-many selling system, your conversion event, right? That, that's that's there. And, and, and through that, that's where they start to like you. And then you have to remember, even though people go through that journey, 97% of people are not ready to buy from you right now if you're in B2B business. They're just not ready to buy from you right now. And, and because they either don't recognize a problem or they don't have money to throw at it yet, or they don't know, like, and trust you yet fully. And so you need a controlled form to put them into. This is a controlled environment where you can continue to keep building trust and goodwill mm-hmm. so that so that you become their number one choice when they are ready. That's how you become preemptive to everybody else. Because the, at the end of the day, the real reality is we buy from people we know, like, and trust and um, people that already have a relationship with us first. They get first dibs before anybody else. And the good news is if you do this well, you actually position yourself in a situation where you create a lot of leverage in your business because you don't need as many salespeople and processes to do it because you're doing one-to-many selling. It all creates leverage. You're getting more out of your time that at that time. And because people are coming to you at the end, fully educated, who already feel like they know, they almost become like these secret raving fans that when it gets to the sale time, you can suck at sales and you can charge more. And so as long as you hit those three things, you're, you're, you're going to be very good to go in a very good position and it sets your business up for success. And, and when I look at the history of how did I grow those two companies before and exit them, it worked. Now, what's great about it is, is we've got to take this concept and apply it to 60 plus different businesses over the last year. Awesome. And it works for them too. It's a repeatable process. Yeah, <laughs> And so when you just reading between the lines, when you say like a controlled environment, do you mean an email list or do you mean something else? So that's a great question. So, so what my big thing with everybody is I say, look, we want your marketing not to feel like marketing because people don't like to be marketed to and people don't like to be sold to. So what I usually want to insert there is the word community. You want to build a community, either offline or online. This could be something very small. You could do a local mastermind dinner. 
You could put it in a Slack group. You could put it in a Facebook group. You could put it on a Discord group. There's all kinds of things that you can do, but when you invite in there, that's the perfect place to keep communicating people because the relationships are built in the interactions going back and forth, not in the posts, not in the thought leadership, not in the email. It's in the conversation. So there's there's a there's a rule called that. I don't know if you've ever heard of this. We've ever heard of the 7, 11, and 4 rule. Uh, no, I don't think so. Okay, so the 7-4 rule was established by a gentleman named Dan Priestley, wrote a book in 2014 called Oversubscribed. Great book. It, it, you know you know when it's a great book is when it lasts the test of time, when it's evergreen. And it, it works yesterday, it'll work today, and it's also going to work tomorrow. Well, this is one of those books that will always work with the information in it. But what he put in the group book in one of the first few chapters is he said, anytime someone's making a major purchasing decision, Okay, like buying a car, where they're going to invest their money, making a major investment in their business, where they're going to spend thousands, if not hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars, they require some time. And what they need is seven hours to be exposed to you and your brand in time, 11 interactions in four different locations. And so this is all you're really trying to do. When you do that, if you think about someone who's consumed seven hours of you, this is why you have the podcast. Okay. Mm -hmm. We know what you're doing here. This is your long form mechanism, right? It's also a great lead domino to have a discovery call of people who might need to use your services or be aware of your SaaS or your product or something else like that. Because what is, what is an interview at the end of the day? Anyways, it's just a fancy discovery call with the sales pressure. That's what we're doing here right now. Right. And then two, you get your content for free. Right. But, but the, the point is you want, you need to suffice this where they get seven hours of you, 11 interactions. So this could, and you can speed that up if you're in a Slack group together and four different locations. So that could be like LinkedIn, email, Slack, video, or podcast. And now you have that transformation where you've gone from stranger or acquaintance to friend and trusted advisor. And the reality is you can't do any selling until you have trust and they can't trust you if they don't like you and they can't like you if they don't know you. And so this is why we go short form. That's for them to know you long form. That's for them to like you controlled form. That's, that's for them to trust you. Love it. Awesome. Okay. So I knew that we were going to like spend a lot of time on that because, you know, I can totally geek out on this stuff forever, but I do <laughs> want to take us back to, you know, you mentioned that you started two agencies. Sure. Was that first foray into entrepreneurship? Uh, you know what? I warmed up to it for a long time. It took me a while before I had the courage to jump in. Um, and I would say that took me almost three years before I was looking at it and I was uh, doing stuff for myself as sort of being more self-employed from, you know, I've basically been self-employed my entire life, but I was getting serious about it in 2007, but I didn't actually start my first agency until 2010. Okay. So what were you doing between in that time, 2007, 2010? Uh, so, so uh, prior to that being self-employed, I was a door-to-door salesperson for um, selling ATM machines and interact machines. Okay. And um, I did that because it was a natural progression for me to um, support myself in between my acting gigs. So prior to that, I was an onstage actor for 10 years doing shows in various places in the world, but I, you know, we're not always working. So I needed something else to do that paid the bills. And I discovered I could go sell like an ATM machine and make 500 bucks and get a little bit of residual income on it. So I thought that was pretty cool. So I thought that was a really good vehicle, but what I didn't like was after doing it a while, I didn't like doing the door knocking. So then what ended up happening was I was like, okay, instead of like 
doing knocking doors all day long, which it takes a really long time to walk up and down the street to small businesses. Mm. I said, why don't I just call them? So I started telemarketing from my own house. And then I was like, this kind of sucks too. So then I started discovered like um, voice drops. So I bought like these PC computers and started voice dropping that worked. It was better, but I still wasn't happy. And then I discovered something called Google. And I bought a book called, um, titled uh, the, Defin- the Definitive Guide to Google AdWords by Perry Marshall. I read the book and taught myself how to run um, pay-per-click campaigns in search. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and then I became an in- like an inbound marketing business. And the next thing I knew it, I was like the top salesperson in the country uh, for the particular uh, company. And I was going so well that I hired someone to be an order taker for me. And then I got obsessive about learning everything digital marketing. And so basically every penny I made went into consuming courses and I taught myself to build websites, do SEO. I learned how to do Facebook. You, you name it. I, I, I did it. And then finally had the courage to start doing it for other businesses. And I started with small businesses because that's my confidence wasn't very high mm-hmm. um, in 2010. And then I exited that one in 2014 and did, built another one, but this time focused on enterprise clients. And so all my clients were Fortune 500 clients. And then exited that one in 18, took a year off and then spammed the world for a year, realized it didn't work and then built this one. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. All right. So it took you about three years, you said, to kind of like make that full transition, at least to take it seriously, as you said. So why do you think it took you that long to get to that point? So it wasn't that I wasn't taking it seriously. I was very serious. It had to do with confidence. I wasn't confident. I didn't believe that I knew enough or could or could do it. So it was more about imposter syndrome and lack of confidence that came along with it. Just like most people when starting business, like as they gain more confidence and success, the the higher their prices go, right? Yeah. <laughs> Which is super fascinating coming from like, you know, from an like someone totally objectively outsider, you know, hearing your story and being like, you're an actor on stage. You did door-to-door sales. Like those are two incredibly, like if you talk about putting yourself out there, (laughs) you know, and having confidence and all of those things, like those are two very, very big in-your-face roles that you did to prove that confidence. So what do you think, like why do you think, you know, you went from kind of having these super, as I said, like big roles to having this crisis of confidence around starting your own business and being able to help serve others. Yeah, it, it was, it's baby, baby steps. And part of it is luck, just having like the right people in my life at the time and also being, being open enough to say, having the courage to say yes. So a couple things about me in general is I've been very comfortable with no, my whole life or struggling my whole life. So, you know, as a kid, I was, a, I still am today, a dyslexic. So I had trouble reading and writing. And so school was terribly hard for me. I mean, I had to study my ass off just to get a D and I, I guarantee like teachers just gave me the D out of pity. I still never would, would have passed, but I developed a muscle at a very young age that if I was going to be successful at it, I just knew I had to work more. So I was comfortable with just like working harder and the same thing progressed right into that. So from that experience, I went into competitive swimming, which was me training twice a day, every day for two hours. And that's not including diet and other fitness training. And then I, and then from there I rolled into the theater, which was rehearsing. And I was not very good as an actor to begin with. In fact, I had a stutter. I spoke like I had marbles in my mouth. Like I had to get a speech therapist to help me 
articulate my words better and all of those things. But, but I just was comfortable with working hard that I got through it. And as I went through it with the right people, I just developed a little bit more co- uh, courage and a little bit more confidence enough to just keep going. And, and what ended up happening was I had little success on little success on little success and success begets success. And so between those two things and having the right people in my life, I was able to grow and become a better version of myself in little steps. And there was no giant step. It was, it's a very slow, this is very much the story of the turtle and the hare, and, and I would be the turtle. <laughs> <laughs> so then, so, okay. So this is so, so good. So fascinating. So you had feeling this, all this imposter syndrome because you, you were very serious, as you said, but you just didn't have the confidence yes. to actually, you know, so what finally gave you that confidence? Like what finally, was there a moment or a, you know, the, did something break that pattern for you where you were like, yeah, I'm ready to do this. What happened? Yeah. I think the expression goes back to, you know, the, the harder I work, the luckier I seem to get. Right. So it's, it's about rehearsing and practicing and people, people underestimate how, how much work you need to do privately to get rewarded publicly. The second thing is having a feedback loop. I always surrounded myself with people who would build me up in a positive way and give me feedback at the right time, you know, when I needed to hear it to help me get to the, to the next level. So even for example, like when I was mucking around for three years and not starting my agency, and I was fully capable to do the agency much earlier years before I needed a, a mentor, someone to say to me, Matt, you know, more than enough to pull another business forward. And yes, they might outgrow you eventually, but right now you're ahead of others and, and you are doing them a disservice by not helping these individuals go. And I was like, ah, I don't need to keep studying anymore and learning more. And I I had enough, like I was already doing this successfully for myself and running this business as a salesperson. Like the company didn't even know that this is what I was doing. I was secretly doing these ads and running to my own landing page. And I just needed to do this for, for other people. And once someone released me of thinking that I didn't know enough, because I didn't go to business school. And you have to remember, I had a lot of hiccups on my shoulders of like, school and writing and, and, mm-hmm. and reading that, like, that was a big hurdle for me to over, overcome, you know? And, and also like, I would like being rehearsed. That's why I did as an actor, but I was never an improv actor. Like I, I loved, I got confident through rehearsing mm-hmm. and I learned this at an early age. Like when I was in high school, I had a drama teacher, I would audition. He'd be like, you are a terrible auditioner. Cause I couldn't read. He would, he didn't know. I didn't know how to read. That's basically, but he's like, when you memorize those lines, holy shit, you, you know, part of my language on the podcast, mm-hmm. you, you are, you are bang on and, and really good at this. And so they just learned that after the, they, they stopped making me audition. They just gave me the role. Because they're like, he's amazing. Don't make him audition though. He seems like a stumbling, bumbling idiot, right? And then later on, I got better at auditioning. But if I wasn't prepared to go into an audition, I was sweat, sweating buckets. And it was the same thing with like sales. If I didn't learn the script and memorize it and made it my own and built the confidence for it. And this is the same thing that we're doing with other people. I understand this empathy of like... You know, we and work with all different levels of entrepreneurs, some who are very well rehearsed and others that are are not. And my favorite ones are the ones that are actually not because we get to see this huge transformation on them because they can practice this in private. It's too hard, too much pressure to show up as a guest on a podcast or the run yours when you just haven't done this. And you need a regular scheduled time every month with a feedback loop to be able to do this. And then the great thing is we peel and stick just the best stuff and put the best stuff out there because what does it do? It builds your confidence up. 
<laughs> right? No one sees the terrible stuff. It's just that's all <laughs> left in the edit. That's all left in the editing room, and only between you and the coach that you work with. And so, so you know, it's quite it's quite magical. And in general, this is this is everything in life. So you know, I've I've been around entrepreneurs now for fifteen years, and you know most people don't have business problems. They have mindset problems, right? And even with our clients, you know, I tell our team all the time, you know, 50% of our work is delivering the product, but really 50% of it, the other 50% is two things. It's helping people rethink their thinking, their mindset. And then two, it's the other 25% of that 50% is, is client expectation setting. If you do those things well, Deliver real great. If you skip the two other things, it won't work. And, and even most agencies who are newbie agencies, like first-time founders, they don't budget or train for that 50%. And that's why they have churn in their business. They want to prevent churn, spend 50% of your time on re, re, helping people rethink their thinking, mindset challenges, and two, setting really good client expectations. And then the delivery, the delight system will take care of itself afterwards. Because usually you're delivering a great product, but you're just missing the other 50%. Totally. And that, by the way, I mean, agencies, if, if, if there are any agencies listening to this, that's amazing advice. But even if there are any coaches, like those, it's the same thing. You know, you need to set those expectations with your clients and it's all about mindset. Um, so I love that. Okay. We are running out of time. So I do want to ask you, where's your business headed? So where do you see yourself investing for growth over the next year? Yeah, it's a great question. So right now we're just bridging from what's called that startup stage to the stay up stage. And the reason I say that is because I'm still involved in operations as the founder. So how I get to stay up is when I'm not doing any of the delivery anymore at all, or checking it or inspecting to see what I expect. It's an amazing team. They're doing a good job. We're still ironing out a few of the kinks. We're very, very, very close. And then stay up stage is where I just focus on marketing, sales, and talent acquisition. And that would be the goal the rest of this year. So I believe that usually you have a year of finding what your your ideal product market fit is. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's like your beta year. Then you have the startup year. We start building a team around this on delivery. Then your third year is you just focus on marketing, sales, and talent acquisition. And then your fourth year, once you get out of that, you start moving into what we call scale-up stage. And, and this is where you now you have a marketing team, a sales team, and, it, and it, people managing people and attracting people as well too. You can now start throwing money at growing this business, massive amounts of money. But prior to that, you really shouldn't because <laughs> it's not set up. And at scale-up stage, then you let it run. And then usually what I recommend, that's usually around year four or five, you want to test the business. And so for me, that'll be taking a six month sabbatical and one of three things will happen. The business will go down without me. It'll stay flat or it'll go up. All are good situations because it lets me know, did I build an asset to create freedom? And if not, it lets me know what parts I need to fix. In which case you'll come in and fix and adjust those and then readjust. And at that point, you have lots of options of what you can do with your business. So I'm, I'm, I'm in the stage of just going from startup to stay up. If we get to the end of stay up this year, that would be a huge success in my books. And I'm totally comfortable with going slower before we go faster. Cause that's usually the right thing to do. Mm, love that. Awesome. This has been so super helpful. Thank you, Matthew, for sharing with us. If anyone is interested in seeing what you have to offer, where is the best place for them to go? There's two places you can find me. You can go to automationwolf.com and there's only one thing you can do there, which is watch the video and reach out to me, or you can reach me on LinkedIn, the only social media network that I'm on right now. And again, if you just search for Matthew Hunt or Matthew Hunt plus Automation Wolf, I'll, I'll come up pretty quickly. 
Amazing. All right, you guys, we'll leave those in the show notes. And for thank you so much, first of all, Matthew, once again, for sharing with us. And for everyone else, uh, I'm sure you loved this, this episode. So please leave us a review, leave us a rating, share it with your friends and follow us. And uh, we'll see you on the next one. Bye. Shen here. Thank you so much for listening to the Remarkable Entrepreneur Podcast. Now, if you are a successful online entrepreneur who would like to be on this program, then please visit go.theremarkableentrepreneurpodcast.com slash podcast dash guest. If you got something out of this interview, would you please share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials and tag me. I'm at Deidre Shen. And if you know someone that would be a great guest, tag them on social media as well and let them know about the show. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. Now, we are regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure that you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings, reviews go a long, long way to help promote the show. And it means a lot to me and my team. And if you want to know more, go to our website, djshen.com. Follow me on LinkedIn, on Facebook. My Facebook group is actually called The Remarkable Entrepreneur. Uh, Follow me on Instagram at Deidre Shen. Thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next time.